What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. Okay, you know, like at camps and stuff like this, you take the ball out. You ain't getting the ball back. <laughs> like, you the last one up the court. They already did their thing. So I stopped there, and I just got into a rhythm and started hooping. The Lakers should sign Trey Young this summer. They got to kind of start preparing for, like, if LeBron's last year is this year or next year, whenever it is. And I feel like a uh, pick and roll with AD and a guy like Trey Young would be deadly. Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. It offers flexible spending capacity that adapts to your business. You can also earn up to $395 in annual statement credits on eligible purchases at select business merchants. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news. Sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories, change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. Welcome to All the Smoke, a production of The Black Effect and Our Heart Radio in partnership with Showtime. Welcome back. All the Smoke 2022 live on set. Jack, what's good? Back in LA, doing it our way. Trying to, man. Uh, man, we got a, I say special a lot, but I really feel like this dude right here is, you know, one of the greatest. Uh, yeah, and it's yeah. just an honor. All the way from Pensacola, Florida, man. Welcome, Roy Jones. Hey, what's up, baby? Thank you. Appreciate it. What's man, up, brother? Thank you good. for coming, man. Appreciate you. you. Thank y'all, brother. Thank y'all. I see you got, uh, you got some gifts. Yeah, yeah, I got some. Talk to us about what's in these bags. Uh, Rooster Fight, you hooked me up. You see the Rooster Fight sweatshirt. Yeah, so they yeah. hooked me up. They hook y'all up, too, so they want me to make sure I man. took care of my brothers. You know what I mean? So oh, you want the I can't come yeah, in and not give y'all nothing. You want the ones that are red? You want the ones that are red? You want the that. Hey, we appreciate that. We're familiar with them. Um, they all they do a lot of stuff with legends. Right. And another legend that we uh, found with Allen Iverson. Right. Right. The uh, collabs too. Right. So appreciate right. you, bro. No yes, problem. Sir. Thank but we y'all. also got a gift for you. Okay. For you, we can't take a gift and not give a gift. Hey, man. thank you, brother. I really appreciate it, my brother. Our Find gear. All the smoke dot store. There it is. For all our new gear, all new hats. New, you yeah. clean, boy. You know what I'm saying? New mm. sweatsuits. We got mm-hmm. all kind of stuff, man. Make sure y'all pull up on us. Yes, sir. Well, let's man, let's get to it. Pensacola, Florida. Um, tell us about your upbringing. Man, it was it was it was it was a pretty different oh, type of an upbringing. You know, I grew up on a farm, so I had the animals. You know, game cocks. You know, I was just one of those little kids that God kind of blessed early. You know, people always tell you that. God prepares you for what for what road he got ahead, you know? And so me growing up watching the animals, it taught me a lot about boxing, about fighting. Mm-hmm. So I would always take in everything because my thing, man, I ain't against nothing nobody really do. Really do. 
But everybody have their own way of how they find their way through life. Right. One of my ways was through nature. Mm-hmm. You know, I had a, I had a, dove my pension once, basically saved my life. You know, some wood was about to follow me, and people won't believe the story, but the wood I was small, shouldn't have messed with the wood anyway, but it's about to fall back on me. The dog jumped up and put his weight on the weight on the wood and helped get the wood back to mm. keep it from falling on me. What that more lawyer? If it would have fell on me. I would have been done. Nobody would have got me. They wouldn't find me all day because mm-hmm. my dad didn't get off work till like 5 o'clock in the afternoon. So nobody would have found me. But anyway, you know, I always been loyal to the animals because of what they do for me. So mm-hmm. uh, people always say, oh, you just, no, 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 no. It's not about that. It's about caring for things and where you learn it from. God was teaching me from my observation of what those animals were doing. Mm-hmm. You know, so that's how I learned the game. And uh, that helped me learn the game. And so when you start taking what God teaches you and you put it, and you can put it in action or put it in motion, it becomes a beautiful thing. Mm-hmm. So my, my upbringing was that first. Then when I got my teens, <laughs> I uh, kind of got to where I started having you know, more challenges. We moved back to the city, out of the country, and uh, more time. And my father being my coach was a tough thing because he was on me 24-7. Mm-hmm. When you're on a kid 24-7, a lot of fathers don't realize that you can't stay on them 24-7 because you don't allow them time to be a kid. Mm-hmm. So that time not allowing me to be a kid kind of drove me to be a different animal. You feel me? So it made me a good animal, but a bad animal too because I grew up with a lion's mentality. Mm-hmm. And a lion's mentality is once you leave the nest, you don't go back. The lions don't come back home. Mm-hmm. <laughs> when they leave, they don't get their own now. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? That's how I was raised up. So I appreciate him for teaching me it that way. Just that I don't think we had to be quite as bad to where we couldn't communicate today. Right. Ooh, it's so bad tough. we don't communicate today. You yeah. Know I mean? it's, it's a hurtful thing in a sense. But when you know it like I know it, you know how deeply rooted you it is. You understand it. Yeah, you understand it. So you can't really fault nobody for what they did. And I'm really appreciative for what I was taught and the way I was taught because it made me into something that I probably never knew I could be. Mm. Yeah. So that's, that's, that's really my upbringing. Where did you find the love for sports, in particular boxing? Well, honestly speaking, I was a my, my my father was my first hero, and believe it or not, my father played basketball. Mm. And uh, my father you was. You thought a, you was nice to him, hope. You thought you. I thought th- I was. Like, I, just, I realized, you know, I, I, it never it never stops amazing me that once I see how tall y'all are, I'm like, you know what, you did the right thing. <laughs> but you played, you played it back then. It was the D League. You yeah, played yeah, in the yeah, D League. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I played against them. Yeah, yeah, I was yeah, in Fay- yeah. Fayetteville, North Carolina. What oh, team yeah, did you, you play for? Yeah, I played for uh, the the Bradenton Ducks, Sarasota. Yeah. Two thousand two. Yep. Yep. I yeah. I didn't play in that league. Yeah. 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 Okay. yeah, that was right before I got went up to the Clippers. But yeah, nice. back in the day, yeah. Yeah, but I didn't to play motherfucking Roy Jones. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was cool. I enjoyed basketball first uh-huh. because that's what my father was playing. My father was a hell of a shooter. My father was Sidley, of course, but he was damn near averaging 40 without a three-point line. No, that's just how good of a mm. shooter he was. Mm. So uh, I love basketball. But then we sat down once. Well, I didn't sit down. He was sitting there watching a fight, and I didn't realize what it was. But it was Ali and Joe Frazier, I think, in 1974. I'm five year, years old. I'm watching it, and I'm seeing Muhammad Ali beat Joe with his mind. Mm. And at that age, already at five, I was a hell of an agitator. I could get on anybody's nerves. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> but they couldn't catch me, but I can get on anybody's nerves. So I started seeing that, and I was like, wow. If somebody teach me how to use my hands, I can do what he's doing because I'm never going to get mad enough that you're going to outthink me because mm-hmm. I don't get mad. I just get smarter. I get even. Mm. So it's like when I teach my fighters now, I tell them my mentality, which it was the truth. If you hit me one time, I owe you six back. 
Mm, so yeah, if they that that's not getting even. That's getting a hit. Yeah, I don't want to get even. I want to get a hit. Yeah, <laughs> you understand me? Up so, the scoreboard. Yeah, so that's where I came from. Mm. You were inducted or voted, excuse me, in the International Boxing Hall of Fame after you know one of the greatest careers ever. What was that moment like to you? It was very different, man. It was like it's something we all look forward to. Both of y'all, I'm sure, will be there one day, and y'all respect the sports as well. And it's like we all look forward to the Hall of Fame. And um, that's kind of a icing on the cake. Um, but if you don't, if I didn't get there, I wouldn't have been upset about it. It's just, it's, it's just, it's like I say, it's more of an icing on the cake because the cake is already there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you understand me? So mm-hmm. we had it's the cake. Well, yeah. yeah, our exactly. career was the cake. You yeah. feel me? So it's just icing on the cake. And yeah. we real with ourselves. We know we'll never get there. Yeah, we're, 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 we're in the real nigga hall yeah. of fame. Though. We get, yeah, we yeah, exactly. yeah, yeah. yeah. We, our jerseys are still hung up somewhere. Who did you idolize besides your father growing up? <clears throat> well, <laughs> this is gonna sound kind of funny. <laughs> <laughs> my first idol was Tarzan. Tarzan? Tarzan. King of the jungle. Yeah. You got a white dude over there with all them Africans, he running everything. Man. Yeah. The animals, yeah. the Africans, he running everything. Yeah. So I'm like, wow, he got to be pretty tough. You know, he a white guy, he in Africa, he ain't only running the people, he running the people and the animals. animals. He, he running the whole damn thing over there, you feel me? So I'm like, I got to be something like what he doing, but I ain't, I mean, I know I ain't white, but I still got to be something like what he is. He in charge of every damn thing. That's what yeah. I need. <laughs> He was, he was speaking two languages for everybody, you too. You feel me? You feel me? Yeah. That was my, yeah. So that was my first idol. You understand? Besides my dad. I loved, I thought I was a Tarzan man. Then, my second idol was Rifleman. Because I thought Rifleman was a bad boy. Rifleman, Rifleman get that 30 30 out, you had problems. You Rifleman? What's Rifleman? He's right, it, was a, it, was a, it was a show that came on where he, was, he had a rifle. He was a rifle. He was like he was like a police, pretty much. Yeah. He was deputy of the area, but... Anything go on, he gonna handle it because he was the right for me. He put out that right for me. So, you feel me? So that became my second thing. Then uh, after I grew all that, Muhammad Ali became my idol. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah. Understood. As an amateur, you ended your career at one twenty-one and thirteen. What was the grind like? Man, it was a tough grind because most of that thirteen was really not not losses, but. And once again, like I just told you before, it was God preparing me for what I had coming ahead of mm-hmm. me. Because when I got to the Olympics. Look what happened to me. But I had been through it about 10 times mm-hmm. in that 13. Right. So I knew what it was, and I knew that it could happen. I just didn't never think that that could happen on that big of a stage in front of everybody on not national but worldwide right. television. Yeah. You just don't think that can happen. Well, you're talking about, I mean, <clears throat> take us back, man. I didn't mean to jump in, Jack. You're talking Good. about the 88 Olympic situation. Yes. Uh, talk to us about that because obviously we've seen what happened, but from your point of view, what do you feel like? Man, happened? listen, I don't know what really happened. I know that... They were supposedly angry about something that took place in the 1984 Olympics here in L.A. Okay. So because of that, they decided they'd take it back out on us in 88, and I happened to be the person that they would take it out on. You understand mm-hmm. me? But the good thing about that is, like I said, God has, God always prepares us for what's to come. Best of our planners. So because I had already been through it 10 times out of 13, mm. I knew what it was like. Mm-hmm. And my father used to always tell me, don't cry. Just be cool, don't worry about it. So when it happened, I had been well-versed in how to react to it because what people didn't understand was my shirt didn't say Jones, my shirt said USA. Mm-hmm. I didn't represent Roy Jones, I represent us as a country. Right. Mm-hmm. So if I act a fool, right. that's going to look bad on us as a country. Mm-hmm. So God put it on the person who would have handled it the best way, I think. They were right. prepared to handle it the best way. I didn't know that them 10 or that 13 was getting me ready for that, but that's what they were getting me ready for. Mm. So when I got to that, I was like, dang it, man. So what I did was, after the decision, you go in the back, they drug test you, and you get dressed and you come out for the ceremony. Mm-hmm. 
So when I went to the back, I had the interpreter. I said, hey, ask me if you think he won. Because mm -hmm. if he said, yeah, the camera ain't on no more. Mm -hmm. I got to get that again. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I got to get my leg back. You feel me? Yes. If, he, if he say, yeah, yeah, the camera ain't on now, I got to get it again. Yeah. He said, no, I know I didn't win. Mm. But it wasn't me. It was the judge. Mm -hmm. I shook his hand and walked off. I never seen him again. Where was he from? Seoul, South Korea. Okay. Since that day, I didn't see him again until October this year. Really? First time again in October. And he told me that he went through so much trauma and turmoil because of that. The guilt. Damn. Yeah. He said every time he said every time I got rid of box as a professional, he was teaching school in, in Korea. He said every time his students roasted him the whole time, mm. from when they heard I was fighting <laughs> to the fight was over. So he went through more trauma right. than I did. Right. And, and that's what people don't understand when you do things. It's the same to me as people who, you know, pull out guns and kill people nowadays. When you do things, you're not affecting right now. It's a chain mm -hmm. reaction. You're affecting the whole chain of people, mm -hmm. you feel me? Mm -hmm. It's not just what's happening right here. Mm -hmm. You got kids, you got family, you got everybody that this affects. It had a bad effect on me at the time, but it had a worse effect on him through the long, long run. So he was like, when he saw me this year, he said, man, if I can, I just want to try to arrange some way to give you the medal back. See, my family told me mm. I should have been gave you the medal. I'm so, said, you know what I'm laughing, right? I'm laughing because I'm just imagining the kids in the class. Man, you talking shit, man. Roy beat your ass. Look, look, this Roy beat your ass. I can imagine as soon as he starts trying to teach him something, man, I ain't trying to hear that, man. This Roy right here whipping your ass, man. Nah, but... Okay, well, I mean, that, 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 I mean that's, that's big of him. Yeah, You know was, what I mean? So was, uh, is that something that's going to happen? I don't know. I think... Uh... The I think they changed from Iowa to something else now, but they saying that they might try to arrange for it to happen. I don't know. It, it, it meant more for me that he decided he that he wanted to give it to me mm -hmm. than anything. So because nobody made him do it, he chose to do it on his own. That's so big. His conscience got yeah. to him enough that he's saying, and he said his family told him he should have been gave it back. So That's he just didn't know how to get in touch with me. Thirty-seven years later. Yes. That's crazy. Yes. Crazy. So you make your pro debut May sixth, nineteen eighty-nine. What do you remember about that night? That the arena was packed. The guy was, he wasn't dressed right to be a real fighter. So. <laughs> first and foremost. First and foremost. <laughs> I was one of these guys that I was very observant about boxing. I ain't care about nothing else in life. But boxing, I'm going to pay attention to everything with my opponent. Anything else in life, I ain't paying attention to. You can change the color of my room tomorrow, I might not know it. Yeah. But when it comes to a fight, if you got on tennis shoes and you don't have a fitted mouthpiece, you not beat me. You know what I mean? You got on tennis shoes and you got and you don't have a fitted mouthpiece, you not beat me because you don't care enough about what you're doing. You have no mm. written, no business beating me and you got on tennis shoes. You feel mm -hmm. me? So this dude come in and I ain't like the way his trunks look. I'm like, he, <laughs> he don't care how he looks. So how you even beat me? <laughs> you, you you can't come here dressed like a like that and beat me, and I'm I'm an Olympian. Yeah, mm. he I represent the whole country. You come in here like this, you gotta come show me that you coming to beat me. You gotta at least be nice, or look nice. Mm -hmm. Then I know, okay, he got his stuff together. But if you ain't got your stuff together, you ain't got a chance. And mm. he really didn't have his stuff together. So, and nothing against him, but he just didn't have his stuff together. So I just knew. <laughs> ain't no hard feelings. <laughs> no, we no hard feeling. But you can't, you 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 can't win here tonight. What was that training camp like for you? I mean, obviously, like you said you in the Olympics. Much change, not much change going into your pro career? Not much change, just that you had to get used to Because when I first started boxing, there was no head get rule. But during my time of boxing amateur, the head get rule came in. So you had to get used to wearing head gear. How tough is that? It's not hard to wear head gear. What's hard to get used to is not wearing it again. Mm. 
But then, not only do you not wear headgear, but these gloves are a little smaller than the amateur gloves too. So you ain't got on no headgear, and the gloves are smaller. So you got to be a little bit more on point. So mm -hmm. remember what I told you about how he looked? That's even worse now. You <laughs> <laughs> got no protection. Exactly. <laughs> what are some of your more memorable um, experiences and opponents throughout your career? My most, some of my most memorable situations are, it's like, you know how sometimes you have a game and you don't feel good? Mm -hmm. But you got to go because they Find a way. You feel me? So it's like, for me, and that's why I have a hard time identifying with a lot of younger, younger athletes. And, you know, it's just hard for me because in our day, it didn't matter if you was hurt. Yeah. If you can walk, you can play. That's how, that's how we were. You understand me? So it's like, I understand, but I come from that era that my daddy was not going to let me sit nowhere mm -hmm. and not fight. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? So it got so bad to my desire to overrule myself became bigger than his. Because mm. I remember one time I was going to, Olympic, I mean, to the Golden Gloves Nationals. And I was playing volleyball in PE at school in 12th grade, I think. I went up to block a spike, and the guy missed the ball and hit my hand, and this finger went down smaller than these two fingers. Mm. I grabbed it, I snatched it back, and the only thing that happened, it went down, the bone went down the side of the other one. I snatched it back, my knuckles swirled up that big around. I gotta go to the National Golden Gloves next week and fight the best in the country. I ain't said nothing to nobody. I'm training like ain't nothing wrong. I'm trying, I just did this Thursday. Friday, Saturday I leave, Monday, I got to start fighting the National Golden Gloves. I get there, my dad wrapped my hand for the first fight. My dad looked at my hand and said, God, you know, mm -hmm. what? You can't fight like that. You know what I said? Man, finna wrap my hand. <laughs> Many times, you done told me what I can and can't do. Finna wrap my hand. <laughs> I, it's my turn. I got this now. You understand mm -hmm. me? He wrapped my hand. I won the whole National Golden Gloves. Mm. With a jammed finger that had been jammed so far, this finger got knocked down was shorter than these two fingers. Mm. My knuckle was so big, it was ridiculous. Everything yeah. I did hurt. But once again, like I keep telling you, God always prepare you for what's to come. Mm -hmm. When I beat Bernard Hopkins the first time, you know the song say, right was hurt, beat him with the left. No lie, my right hand, I couldn't throw a punch mm -hmm. on it because my right was hurt so bad. This one from that gym, I'm not going to do it from something else. Mm -hmm. But I had an injury for my first world title fight. I told my partner, Derek Smogana, he was like, what? don't take the fight. I said, it's crazy, and as much of a rebel as I am, if I don't take the fight now, they may never give me the opportunity mm -hmm. again because they don't want to see me. Y'all know how it go with real Yeah, people. yeah. They don't want to see the real ones go yeah, there. And then yeah. you're doing it outside the box. You're not doing what they want you to do. Yeah. They, they don't want to see you get there. Yeah. Yeah, so I said, if I don't out. take this opportunity, they're not going to never give me another shot. I got to go. Mm -hmm. Just like I did that National Golden Glove with one hand, I beat Bernard with one hand. So, and that was, I mean, <laughs> we was coming up next. I mean, in 1993, one your hand. first matchup, uh, I mean, unanimous decision. Mm hmm with, with one hand. hand. Yeah. That's what you're telling us right now. So I'm trying to tell you, with one hand. He know it. <laughs> he know it, yeah. That's what I think about <laughs> they it. He know, know it. Yeah, they know it. Where do you, we've talked to, obviously, rest in peace, Kobe. We've talked to people like Kobe, able to take his mind in other places during situations. I mean, I'm sure it happens to boxers all the time. Some obviously can handle it better than others. Where do you take your mind when you know you can sparingly throw, you know, one of your weapons? Well, um, for me, man, this is why I train my fighters the way I train them. I try to teach you how to win with one hand, even in training every day, because one day it might come down to it. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? If you hit and with this one, I got a friend named Gabe Brown, he tell you all the time. He would tell me one day, man, my right hand hurt. I said, what about your left? He said, no, it's okay. I said, well, get your stuff on, you going in there. You understand me? Because I don't hear excuse, excuses, it's not where I'm from. So 
when you get mentally, when your mental tells you you got to go or what you do for a living, it's nothing that should stop that. Yeah. You understand me? So I've been in several situations where I've had upset stomachs. I've had all kinds of stuff happen to me. I had stitches before I fought a guy. I was playing basketball Wednesday. Got cut, no, yeah, Wednesday. Got cut Wednesday. Thursday, I went and got stitches on the inside and the outside. Friday, I went to the weigh-in with glasses on. Saturday, I fought with stitches in my eye. Mm. I'm cut before I go in there. More people want to come out when they get cut in there. I'm cut before I go in there. Did he bust them on back open? No, he but not. Yeah. <laughs> he said, don't play that. <laughs> he did that. Uh, <laughs> oh, no, shit. It can't, it can't uh, happen like that. So you have to have a mental that's so strong that nothing else matters. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You understand, man? That's what my mental is. When I, when I, in my prime, when I got ready to go, nothing else matters. I don't care if I come out. I, I actually felt better if something was wrong with me because now I know that put more pressure on me to have to perform. Mm -hmm. Now I got to think. Mm -hmm. You feel me? Now I got to do, yeah, I, I could have a guy figure it out. Then something happened to me. I'm like, dang it, man. It's just God telling me, now nah, you got to be on your P's and Q's still because you don't have this. You got to do it with just them three. All right? Here I go. Mm, mm, mm. November 94, an epic upset over James Tony. What do you remember about that night? Man, let me tell you, it was crazy because James was a, he wasn't just a boxer, he was a fighter. Mm. He would fight people before the fight, he would fight people at the weigh-in, he would fight people everywhere. He was, he was, he was a <laughs> crazy dude, you know, he didn't really care. And he was pound for pound the best. And to this day, he probably really pound for pound the best I would fought as far as having skills and knowing how to do it all. He knew how to do everything. But uh, I watched him fight Irene Barkley. And really, Irene Barkley was a beast. Irene beat Tommy Hearn twice. Mm -hmm. Irene could take a shot. Irene was a pretty tough, pretty formidable guy. He beat Irene so bad, I felt bad. I had to go in the back. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Man, I got to fight him next now. <laughs> but he beat this dude so bad, I feel sorry for the dude. You feel me? So I had to go in the back and leave. I just couldn't, couldn't watch it, you know? So, um... When the time came to fight him, I was like, okay. Yeah. I ain't gonna see me watching this because you're not gonna do me like this. He's a little bit different because he's a little bit limited. I'm not. Mm -hmm. You understand me? I'm not that dude. I'm, I need Joe spot. He was stiff. He was stiff. He's yeah. stiff. I'm not standing still like this. Yeah. So, you know, I don't like to see it, but I'm not worried about it because you're not gonna never get to be. I'm not gonna ever be there for you to hit me with what you're hitting him with. <laughs> Them bricks. <laughs> it's not happening. Yeah. So, I wouldn't worry. I just didn't like the fact I don't like to see. I don't like to see nobody get beat up on. You feel me? Mm -hmm. So it's like I don't, I don't like, I, I, I like boxing, but I don't like violence. It's like with me, like I love the UFC, but when a guy get knocked out and they get down and hit him while he out still, that kind of bothers. Yeah, that last you one. Me? Yeah, you feel me? That's, that, 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 that's the only thing I love it, but that's that's the only thing that bothers me. Why don't hit an unconscious person? Mm -hmm. If you're unconscious, you ain't got cheap hit shot. Yeah. You feel me? To me, that's that's kind of. So it's like I'm not that dude, man, and like people don't understand, but it's a lot of things. I don't stomach well, you feel me? So I'm not the guy that can go out and just do stupid stuff, but at the same time, I'm going to get you out. So when it came time to fight him, I knew that we might, I might have to fight him before the fight, I might have to fight him during the fight, I might have to fight him after the fight, but I'm ready to fight one up because I need to be the boss, and he was the man. To be the man, you got to beat the man. Mm -hmm. And that's where I came from. So when I got, and really, that's really part of why me and my father fell out, because I found out that they had offered me a fight with James Hunter before, and my father said, no. No? I got to beat him, not you. Mm -hmm. You can't be telling him no. You're going to make him think I'm scared of him. Mm -hmm. And you're going to say no to you, really? Well, like I always, I got, I'm going to keep going back to the point. I'm sorry, y'all, but God I always prepare you for what he got coming, coming in the future for you. Mm -hmm. You understand me? I watched Howard Davis Jr., senior, 
I mean, I watched Howard Davis Sr. hold Howard Davis Jr. a little too long before he let him fall for a title. Howard Davis Jr., I think, won the Val Barker Cup, which is the most outstanding boxer at the Olympics in, in 76. Was it 76? Yeah, 76. So I won the same thing in 88, mm-hmm. but he won in 76. So he was the best boxer at the Olympics in 76. Sugar Ray Leonard went on to become champ. Leo Randolph, the Spinks brothers. Everybody became champ except Howard David Jr. Why? Because his father was in control mm. of his career. So his father didn't want to go to he felt ready. Mm-hmm. Well, you can't let him fight when you ready because you ain't fighting. Mm, <laughs> he right. is. Mm-hmm. So I observed that, and God was teaching me that. I didn't know it, but God was showing me that from a distance. I didn't meet Howard David until I got 27 years old. But I understood his life totally because God was showing it to me in plain view. If you go down that road, this is what's going to happen to you. Mm-hmm. So when it came time, once I realized my dad had turned to fight down one time, you can't be speaking for me because I know in my mind I'm a better fighter than this dude. I need to beat this dude while I know I'm a better fighter than him. I don't wait, need to wait till you think I'm a better fighter than him. I know now. Mm-hmm. So the second time they asked me, yes. You're fighting. He the best, and I want to be the best. But you're a middleweight. Don't pay that no, to no attention. Mm. I ain't no middleweight. <laughs> I'm pound for pound. Yes, I'll fight him. And that's how that happened. James Tony, animal. Mm-hmm. He yeah, was too. animal. He still is animal. What he was, he was, how much, how much heavier was he than you? Well, he was one weight class apart. He was at 68, and I was okay. at 60. Yeah. Okay. But now, but now, what other people don't realize, the politics of the game, he was with top rank, right? Mm-hmm. So when I beat Bernard Hopkins, um, James Tony had went up to 168 and beat Iran Barkley, I think, for the title. They gave Iran, they gave James Tony 10 days to decide whether he wanted to keep the super middleweight title or the middleweight title, right? He said, I keep the super middleweight title. So me and Bernard then fought for the middleweight title, right? When I signed to fight him for the super middleweight title, just like he did when he went and fought Barkley, I signed to fight him for the super middleweight title, they stripped me of the middleweight title. Take me down. But once again, when you're on your own, mm-hmm. <laughs> you feel me? That's how they do you. So now, all they did was make it worse for him because if I lose now, I ain't got no belt. He lost to Barker, he still had the middleweight belt. Mm-hmm. I lose, I ain't got nothing. nothing. I'm rock bottom. But I can't go rock bottom. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I can't lose now. So it just, they just made it better for me. 1999, you became the undisputed light heavyweight champion. You in the final WBA, WBC, and IBF. What was that feeling like? That was something I always wanted to do, but I didn't think I'd ever get the opportunity to do it because of the promotional situation. If you wasn't with this promoter or you wasn't dealing with that promoter, then you weren't going to get to fight this champion. So you represented yourself? 95% of the time. Damn. Yep. So, but if you that don't get a- talked about enough, though, because that, that's, that's, well, that's serious. I mean... <clears throat> back then, they doing it yeah, a lot now, but back then... Yeah. Back then, they wasn't doing it, and even now, they don't do it that much because fact of the matter is, if they represented themselves now, we get the fights we want to see in boxing. Mm. But they don't do that. Right. You understand I me? Mean, if y'all remember, and y'all know because y'all was doing y'all thing in my time. So at the same time, I was. So it was so bad with me that I would get on TV after the fight and give you my phone number if you want to fight. Oh, that's how bad I want. You feel me? Yeah. That's how bad I want. I just want the best. That's Mm -hmm. free promotion, though. Free promotion, too. And I want to prove I was the best. I ain't really kidding about promotion. I just want to be the best. Yeah. So if you thought you could, so it was a guy in Germany, Darius Mikulczewski. The WBO was new. He had a WBO belt. HBO offered him five million to come to the United States and fight me. He said no. I got seven belts. They want me to take my seven belts and go to Germany to fight him for his one? In in Germany where he lived? Mm -hmm. What you think will happen to me? 
I just went to the Olympics and got robbed. Right. Now, you think I'm going to go do that again? Mm -hmm. No. So if you really want to smoke... Come get it. I'm right here. I got seven of them. You feel me? I'm you got one. shots. I got the bells. Yeah. What I'm coming to you for? So people always talk about, but they don't, they don't tell you the truth. I ain't ducking and dodging nothing. Mm. You know, even fights I shouldn't have fought, I fought them anyway. Just once I, once I put my name on there, you fight. Take us into them wars with Antonio Tarver. Well, the first one, it's like, I, what happened was, I beat him when we was in the amateurs. Mm -hmm. He went off on a rampage. He never let that go. He never let it go. <laughs> I know, I, I've seen, I watched that whole... He went off on a rampage, he got his life back together. Because of me, he got his life back together, though. Mm -hmm. Because he realized that, dang, I was fighting the amateurs with him. We used, we used to have good competition. And look what he did, mm -hmm. so I can make some of myself. So I really was his hero for the longest mm -hmm. time. So because he idolized me, I just became his his only real target, you feel me? And um, so the first fight was tough because I'd lose 25 pounds of muscle, but I still managed to beat him mm -hmm. because I had to do what I thought Bob Fitzsimmons had did, which was win the heavyweight title, then go back after that and recapture the light heavyweight title. But I think Bob, Bob Fitzsimmons didn't win a light heavyweight title until after he won a heavyweight title. He hadn't won a heavyweight title before. He won a heavyweight title, then he lost that, then he went down back and won a light heavyweight title. He didn't win it, go run, win a heavyweight title, then go back and regain it. Mm -hmm. So I thought that's what he did. So I won to win a light heavyweight title, win a heavyweight title, then recapture the light heavyweight title. Mm -hmm. So that's why I had to fight him the first time. Second time, I knew my body wasn't really back together yet, but like I said, my, my main flaw is I don't duck nothing. Mm -hmm. So if somebody said, he gave you a hard time, okay, wait, what y'all want to see it again? What you mean when you say you, your body wasn't back together? My body, I lost 25 pounds of muscle. Uh-huh. That takes a lot out of it. Yeah, yeah. He found out when he did the Creed movie, and then he went and fought Bernard Hopkins. He had no energy to beat the fight Bernard with, because mm -hmm. he had lost the muscle that he had gained making that Creed movie. Mm -hmm. Or whatever move, Rocket, whatever it was. Yeah. Rocket 4, I think it was he did. Rocket 6, something. Anyway, he found the hard way that when you lose that weight, mm -hmm. it takes a toll on you, you feel me? So uh, second one, he won. Third one was cool. I tried to bring my my father back to, hopefully that would have mended the relationship, but it didn't. So that didn't work out either. But uh, it's like he's he, he not a bad fighter. Don't get it wrong. I don't take nothing from nobody. But what y'all have to understand, what people fail to realize is that it's not about a team that can beat you. Anybody, like like teams that y'all were on, championship teams. Mm -hmm. A team might beat you on any given night. Yeah. But who the champ of the season, mm -hmm. right? <laughs> so for me, anybody might beat me on a given night, but who dominated that thing 12 years? Yeah, yeah. You understand what I'm coming from? So yeah. it's like, it's not about that one given night. Who can, if you did, took, beat me, then went and dominated for 12 years, okay, I got to take my hat off. You right. might be better than me. But if you can't go beat me and go dominate 12 years like I did, keep the people entertained and want to watch you fight mm -hmm. like I Dang. did, you understand me? Then you ain't doing what I did. So every championship team, I mean, Tampa Bay won the Super Bowl last year. They had losses. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you feel me? Yeah. Any team, the Lakers, everybody, when y'all win, y'all, San Antonio, wherever you was, when y'all win the championship, you have a few games you lost. Mm -hmm. They can beat you on a given night. Yeah, but they ain't going to beat you in a seven-game series because you're the better team. Mm-hmm. You understand me? And that's what's going to stand up. When you get to the end, the better team is usually going to win that seven-game series. With that mentality, it, 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 it kind of makes you easy to... to put that behind you and go on to the next fight, yeah. like with Trinidad. With Trinidad you, of course, yeah. of course, because I understand. Mm -hmm. And I know that the sacrifice I made, I may have had to take a hit for it because that was a big sacrifice. Nobody had went from middleweight to heavyweight in 106 years. You understand me? People say, oh, Roy's good, but Sugar Robinson better. Sugar Robinson collapsed trying to win the light heavyweight title. Mm -hmm. He was a 47-pounder, but he collapsed trying to win the light heavyweight title. Mm -hmm. So... 
I mean, really? It's, it's hard to find a person that was able to dominate from as far as I did. I went from 154 mm. to heavyweight. Nobody ever did that before. So they always tell you, oh, this one pound, 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 pound. No. Hmm. How many of them covered as much weight, pound for pound, as Roy did? Mm -hmm. None of them. Mm -hmm. Nobody never covered that much weight. So I don't say to argue for myself, but it's like the, the proof is in the yeah, pudding. The facts, the facts don't lie. Yeah. Yeah, nobody covered that much weight. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter. Let's please welcome Jamal Crawford to Point Game. King of the Court one-on-one tournament. If they had it back in your prime, do you think he could have took it all? I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think I could have took it all, but I think I would have shocked a lot of people. I think Kobe and everybody in their prime, Kobe would win a one-on-one contest. Yeah, I, yeah, because you got to think, Love he's going to guard. He don't care about guarding. He's going to guard. He's going to exactly. guard. Like, you see him in the Olympics, exactly. he's going to guard. And then on I'm top of that. Like that, see that. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came out from crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. And then I, his, he's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because he ain't need it. <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. How do we level the playing field for all entrepreneurs? 55% of white businesses survive the startup phase, while only 4% of black businesses do the same. So I want every black entrepreneur to know about the One Million Black Businesses Initiative. The One Million Black Businesses Initiative is an award-winning program created by Shopify and Operation Hope. They're on a mission to start, grow, and scale 1 million black businesses by 2030, driving wealth creation for the black community. Out of 6 million employer-owned businesses in the U.S., only 2.3% have black ownership. This program gives black entrepreneurs tools and resources to level the playing field, from free business coaching to tailored training and extended free Shopify trial. Shopify's made a 10-year, multi-million dollar commitment to the program, and it's working. The initiative already started, supported, and engaged with over 334,000 black businesses, helping them operate businesses that sell anything from skateboards to coffee beans to apparel. Business owners love this program. Simone Harvin, founder of SC Creative Group, says, The 1 million black businesses experience for me was unlike any other program I've been a part of, primarily because it was for us and it was by us. Here at Drink Champs, we are always interacting with our listeners, many being black entrepreneurs. Shopify is one of those platforms that empowers and emboldens entrepreneurship. So chart your own path for business success with the 1 Million Black Businesses Initiative and Shopify. Bring your business to Shopify with an exclusive offer at shopify.com slash B-E-N, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash B-E-N. Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. It's packed with benefits to help unlock more value from your business purchases. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. What did you do to Felix to retire? Well, Felix, was a, he's a good dude. He's still a good friend of mine. <laughs> and I'm just keeping it real with you, bro. I mean, I, I don't dislike nobody. You yeah. know what I mean? And uh, I just knew that he was too small for me. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like, 
You get a you get a sick a sick for a guy in the post. Yeah, I'm finna, yeah, ain't no you doubt. You feel me? Yes, that's sir. What, and that's what that was. He's just a little smaller. He too small for me. Yeah, I'm mm -hmm. coming to 170, but you still you still too small for me. Mm -hmm. So you know, and I kind of knew that. And I just after that fight, I tore a bicep in this arm a week and a half before the fight. But I still knew he was too small for me. So I still shit. If I can't beat him with one hand, something wrong with me because he's mm -hmm. too small for me. Out of your 47 knockouts, which one was your favorite? Um. That's a lot of knockouts. Well, man. I hate this because this dude get mad at me every time I see it, but I have to say it just with the truth. Is, he get mad at me every time, man. And I don't be mean nothing against it's the dude. Truth, it's, yeah, it's I know, the but truth. I don't mean nothing against dude, but he get mad at me every time. <laughs> but my favorite knockout was the one against Montel Griffin. Yeah. The second fight, because, yeah. because of how it all came together. You know, it was just a crazy situation. And um, to come back and redeem it in one round like that was pretty spectacular and was different because I told him the night before, what was gonna happen the next day? You understand me? I said, At the press conference? Yeah, I told him, I said, the only thing gonna happen, I'm finna go refight round nine. They disqualified me in round nine last time. Mm -hmm. I said, I'm just gonna refight round nine. I ain't gonna take y'all through round one through eight this time. We're going straight back to round nine. And that's really what happened. <laughs> so, I mean, honestly, if a man tell you that the day before the fight, what that tell you? Mm -hmm. so, I mean, you know. mm. The pressures of chasing, not necessarily chasing, but just having an undefeated mm -hmm. record. You know, Floyd was able to do it. What was you, you were there at one point. Mm -hmm. Did you ever, you always obviously just looked at fighting, but was there, to keep the streak alive obviously was important to you as well. Let me tell you the difference about that. <clears throat> Florida did a great thing because Florida is a marketing genius. Mm -hmm. He used that old to the max and he did better than anybody you ever gonna see do as far as marketing himself. Because he took a different approach than I took. But everybody's entitled to take their own approach. Right. right. And don't get y'all get it twisted. Florida bad dude. Florida can fight his behind off. Now mm -hmm. people don't people don't understand. I ain't gonna say he the best ever, but he a bad dude. Mm -hmm. You know, people understand people don't understand that they say, Well, Pacquiao arm was hurt. Yeah, but Pacquiao felt them bees. Pacquiao ain't running on the bees, you know what I mean? So <laughs> I mean, I understand his arm was hurt, but it's, it ain't it ain't the same. Yeah. You got outside looking at it as his inside, you feel me? So I thought you should have fought him earlier, yes, because I thought Pacquiao was at a high earlier, and I thought it would have been a better fight had he fought him three years earlier because Pacquiao was on top of his game. Mm -hmm. But uh, still, when he fought him, he still made Pacquiao like he made Canelo do. Canelo felt that thing and kind of stayed mm -hmm. on for him for a while, you feel mm -hmm. me? So it's like you can't take away from his boxing skills just because he don't do it the way you think he ought to do it. The boy can fight, mm -hmm. the man can fight, you know what I'm saying? So... But um, you don't get fifty and zero without knowing how exactly, to fight somewhat. Exactly, exactly. But so for me, what really pissed me off about that Montel Griffin loss is you just seen him rob me in the Olympics, and you gonna take my O on the disqualification? Oh, yeah. mm -hmm. Wait a minute, now I just seen Vinny Pazenza hit Danny Rosenblatt and the referee after y'all said stop in the same day. <laughs> y'all didn't disqualify him. <laughs> then I seen Jesse Ferguson hit. Uh, I mean not. Really, Bo hit Jesse Ferguson twice while he was on his knee mm -hmm. in the state of Washington, in D.C., and you was over that. Y'all didn't disqualify him. But here go the dude that just got robbed of a gold medal at the Olympics. Mm -hmm. Your first and loss gonna disqualify to him? disqualification. When the referee, all, all the referee had to do was say, stop, I would have backed back. The man ain't but 5'7". The man on, on the ground, I don't know what the man's squatting down, what the man doing. I told my coach it was his last round, but I don't know what he really doing, so I tapped him, think the referee gonna say stop. Referee ain't said nothing, so okay, well, I guess you must not be considering him down. So I hit him, and I still didn't hit him as hard as I could, but I hit him again. So he went down and they disqualified me. So that old meant a lot to me because 
had it not disqualified me, I probably never would have lost. He sold it, though. I remember, I'm, 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 I'm putting it in my mind. He, he sold it. Of course he did. Of course he did. And I helped him set it to sacrifice, but he did set it. Mm -hmm. And that was a hell of a way to take the O away from a guy who done represented this country mm -hmm. and got robbed one time. Deserve more than that. You feel me? Really? That's what y'all going to do to me? After I just went, I done represent our country. You saw him rob me over there, and now you're going to take my O away from me as a pro? That's a hurtful feeling, bro. But that goes to show you that you gotta watch it. <laughs> when you think they care, they don't really care all the time. Mm -hmm. So, you know, so it made me tighten up the second fight. What's your mental approach? Um, obviously, that was a different situation, but after a loss, I mean, like, we could take losses in our sport and still be okay because we play, but a loss in your sport is a, is, a, is a much different. How do you rebound from those mentally? It's really hard to rebound <clears throat> from a loss in our sport, is very detrimental. And that's why I tell people all the time when you fight an undefeated fighter, you got to first teach him how to lose. Because mentally, he don't know how to lose. Mentally, he ain't never been broke. And it's hard to break a person that ain't never been broke. Now, once he gets past that loss, for me, it's like riding a motorcycle. You have a motorcycle wreck, if you're going to ever ride a motorcycle again, as quick as you get able, you better get your behind him and get back on another one. Because you'll get afraid to ride one if you sit back and think about how hurt you are and how bad it did you when you had that wreck. Now you're going to be scared to get on it again. Now you may not never ride another bike again. So me, when, when it happened to me, I was like, okay, that's cool. But I got to go again. Then it happened again. Okay, well, I still got to go again. <laughs> you understand me? So it's like, I'm the type of person that I feel like I'm supposed to fight to the end. So I'd rather be knocked out than lose a decision. Mm -hmm. If I lost a decision, that means I still could have gave more. So knock me cold, I know I shouldn't have won. Mm -hmm. And that's how I want to go out. Um, right on your shield. <clears throat> yeah. I wish more boxers had that attitude. Because, <laughs> you know, you, you see a lot of fighters these days, Matt, and we didn't watch fights. They looking at the corner like, I know you see this. <laughs> I know you see me getting whipped. Where the towel is? Nah, 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 nah. I don't want no towel. Yeah. <clears throat> Memorable ring walks. You once appeared in the, uh, the back of the Radio City Auditorium in a tux drawn by Red Meth. Mm-hmm. Man, let me explain something to you. HBO, who also made me, helped make me, helped the world get to know who Roy Jones Jr. was, but they really messed me up that particular night because they showed movies with cursing and all kind of stuff after, nine, after 7 o'clock at night. This boxing, this is the first time ever, now mind you this now, first time ever that rap music was in Radio City Music Hall. First time ever. Radio City Music Hall never had rap in it before. That was the first time ever. Also had Whitney Houston there singing God Bless America. So, you got such a big night and you're going to mute the audio because of lyrical content of rap music with all the movies you play with all yeah, the bad yeah. lyrical content in it. Once again, I'm going to get the short end of the stick. <laughs> you feel me? That's crazy. And huh? that was the best ring interest that I have seen to this day. Me, meth, and red, all dancing, rapping, come, man, come on, bro. You don't get no better than they, that. They, yeah, they great performance. Y'all mute the audio because y'all worry about the lyrical content? What more can they say that, that the movies y'all playing after 7 o'clock ain't, ain't playing mm -hmm. same? Mm -hmm. It's worse on them movies. You feel me? So, I'm like, they, they, complete, completely, they completely wiped out the best ring interest of all times. Mm. That, if it would have been, if you could have heard the lyrical, now people still love them mm -hmm. wrong, but if you could have heard it, and really felt what felt we felt, energy. you would have felt the whole energy of it. You missed mm -hmm. the energy because they wouldn't play the lyrics, the lyrical content over the uh, TV screen. Mm -hmm. so. Cold game. But, and the second, my second favorite one, though, was I did one in Portland, Oregon. 
I think uh, our friend Jordan and um, Nike had sponsored the fight for me in Portland. And I came up out the flow and I had the, the girls dancing. I did one of my own songs. That was my second favorite. Mm-hmm. You were uh, Team Jordan, right? Yes. What was that experience like, being able yeah. to cross over and be recognized for your greatness and, and, and be a part of that brand? Jack's part of that brand. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I was great. It was great. Great job. Great work. Y'all, man, let me tell y'all something. Both of y'all, understand, I watched both of y'all for a long time, too. Understand, man? I enjoy, love both of y'all. Careers. Appreciate so that. Y'all got to know that, man. So Appreciate I have the utmost respect for both of y'all. Same here. Appreciate that. So, uh, but, um, yeah, I, it was, for me, it was good because, for me, Mike was one of the better basketball, better athletes really to ever live. And to, for him to come represent and understand that I represented that to him as a boxer right. was a big thing. You mm-hmm. feel me? So that was really huge, and I really respected him for that because at that time, boxers really weren't getting no deals. You couldn't get, nobody wanted to deal with boxers because of the promoters or because of the bad names most of them have. And, you know, it was, it was different. So for them to come get me and give me that opportunity was, was a beautiful thing. For mm-hmm. me. It's dope. Yeah. You recall the best crowd you ever fought in front of? And this is a two-part question. Obviously, you're so locked in. Do you play off the energy of the crowd, or are you in your own little zone? Uh, the best crowd is probably always going to be my hometown crowd because every single person is invested. Mm-hmm. I win, we all, all win. win. Yeah. You feel mm-hmm. me? In other crowds, you know, you, some places I had 80, some places 90, but there's always a few that want the other guy to win too. Mm-hmm. But at home, mm-hmm. it's 95. Mm-hmm. Still 5% of hate they ain't going to tell you, but Straight it's up. 95. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you yeah. feel me? So... And it meant a lot to me because I know what it means to those who want me to win. You feel me? So that's the big, those are the ones I fight for. Uh, the most, most people be really locked in. When I fought in Mississippi, I fought Jeff Lacey in Mississippi. And uh, I was fighting, I was a little bit older, I think I was about 40. Left hook lacy. Yeah, but you can't tell me and see left hook because I got the best left hook in the game. I'm the best hooker ever touched the game. Yeah, so. okay, my bad. You about to say that way. That way, that way, that way he messed up that way. You, you can't come to me with that nickname. Uh, yeah, yeah. That's, that's what they called him on TV. That's what they called him on TV. He said, I don't want to hear that yeah, shit. But see, but see, you can't tell you can't come to me with that nickname because I think I got the best left hook so, ever. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it yeah. made me really tune in on it. You feel me? So yeah. I was kind of tuning in that night. And um, i never forget, I was fighting him. And a dude said something to him. I think I, I did something to him. And dude said, no, 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 don't, don't trap him in that corner. And he backed off. I said, you told him right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I was so into the crowd that night that I understood everything going on in the ring, but I also could hear people outside. Mm, that's usually, usually what I would do was I would place a couple of my guys close to the ring, the guys I knew that knew what my plan was, and we all would, I would listen to them talk because if I ever got to a situation where I needed anything, they knew what, what, what to say. So, mm-hmm. They also kept me up in tune with what the time was. So if I had my two guys, or three guys, then I knew exactly what was going on. That's all I would really hear. But the Jeff Lacey fight, because the arena was a little smaller, I kind of could hear everybody. Yeah. Mm, that's crazy. I remember when Jeff, uh, called Calzaghe beat the brakes off. Yeah, yeah, it, it was, I, I had no idea that fight was going to be that bad, dog. I kind of did, because Calzaghe is not a power puncher. He's a volume puncher. And anytime you go try to go at a guy that's a volume puncher with power, you're going to get beat because he going to all night long. That's just what he was. Yeah. You know? so, and Jeff was at his height at his yeah, height at that time. That yeah, was, but that one power shot from the left hook ain't going to be enough. Yeah. And you ain't going to hardly hit him with it, you know? So. The art of trash talking. Art of trash talking I learned from Muhammad Ali. But the art of trash talking is, is like you got to know what you're doing, who you're doing, what you're doing with it, because 
I only got beat one time trash talking. And I'm going to tell you who beat me trash talking. He didn't beat me trash talking. But to me, the art of trash talking is everything that takes place before the fight happens. So when I see you, if I know we're going to fight, I'm going to start mentally on you right then. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You understand me? If I'm going to trash talk, I'm going to start that right then. If I'm going to start playing a game with you, I'm going to start that right then. Mm-hmm. So when I fought John Reese, he came to the press conference just like a pimp. <laughs> I was going to be a little bitch all night. Ah, uh, he got me because I wasn't prepared for that one. You feel me? I said, okay, okay. How much heavier is he, was he than you? 26 pounds. Mm. <laughs> Put him down. <laughs> Put his big ass down. So, yeah, so he, he got me with that. But the next day, you know, I, I prayed to get back at it. And uh, the next day, his coach came on the, scale, came on the, on the uh, podium where the scale was and got right in my coach's face, talking stuff. No, he was spitting in his face, too. And my coach was a retired uh, military guy, Coach Alton Merkson. You're not gonna get in his face and say nothing. Mm. So as soon as Stoney got in his face, pop, all the stage Stoney goes to the hospital. He goes to the hospital. <laughs> he goes. Hey, I needed something to turn this thing back around. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So yeah. I snuck off the stage, went around the back, went back there where John Reese was, cause I knew everybody was nervous. Everybody went to a panic cause of the fight. I said, Hey, don't you worry about nothing. Ain't nobody gonna touch you, cause you blowing to me tomorrow. Mm. But I had to get him back because he had got me to press come with a little pimp outfit. Mm-hmm. So I had to go sit that to him to put me back in charge again. So I was <laughs> But most people, I beat them talking to us. Mm. Yeah. Take the last you one. You can't teach that. You just got to have That's that. Gang. You just got to come yeah. to me. Yeah. Come That's to you. A lot of people ain't that confident to talk shit. You know what I'm saying? You got to be willing to back it up. Preparation gives you confidence to be able to talk it. Mm-hmm. You're prepared, and you willing to back it up. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. you can't back it up now. I already want to hear it. Mm. <laughs> When did you decide to get into music? Man, it was way back in the early 90s. I had a group called PG, Ready PGs. I loved music so much, and music was so inspirational because for me, I used to go, even after training sometimes, I would go in my room, turn my music on, and work on what I learned in training that particular day. So I was able to put the two together in a sense where it made sense for me because I love music, but boxing is rhythm to me. Mm-hmm. But also... When you think about it, Muhammad Ali set the bar high because he talked, he rapped, he just didn't do it with the music. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm I float like a butterfly, sting like a bee, that's what they call me, Muhammad Ali. He did the rapping, he just didn't add the music to it. Mm-hmm. So if you're going to take what he took, what he did, and raise it more, then you got to do more. So take that rapping he doing and put music behind it. Go all the way with it. Mm-hmm. So that's what I did. You remember the song Me and You Did? Self-made millionaire. Yes. Me, you, and Ron, I tell yes. Shout out to Ron, but you was trash on that. <laughs> <laughs> I said that earlier. Uh, y'all go look it up. We, it, I think it was in 05 or 04 around that time. time. I was with the Pacers around that time. Mm. Y'all must have forgot. Yep. How did that come together? Me and Hodge Ripper. Hodge Ripper's a rapper from New Jersey. Pretty, pretty good dude. One of the guys I think should have been much more successful at rap than he is, but he has a mind unlike any other that I've seen when it comes to writing, so... We kind of sat down, put together some of my facts, figured out how we can make it work, and the concept came. They, they must have forgot. And uh, mm-hmm. so we, like, we sat down, and he was better at the writing part than me, so I would write the facts and write things I wanted to say, and he would put in a song for them. Mm-hmm. So we kind of got together and wrote it, and, man, it came out hot. So the second time, me and Bullet, we wrote it when we did the second one. But this one I didn't want to leave by, by myself because I felt like, Y'all must have forgot it's a big statement, but you can't put it. A lot of times when people make their mistake in music, is they think about themselves instead of thinking about the consumers. The people who listen, right. Right. So right. it's like, my y'all must have forgot the first one. It was more about me. 
But now when I redid it, and it's more about y'all must have forgot Pete. Anybody can say the second one and can mean it. So me as somebody, oh, and Marvin Bagley on the second one. Marvin, Marvin Bagley, Bagley. Yeah, he, on the, he on the second one. And he got a nice verse too. He, nah, he, he nice. He can go. He nice. But also, uh, the second one I want to make it with because it's such a good, it's such a good statement. Y'all must have forgot it. Don't get a phrase. It don't get much better than that. Cause even y'all, y'all go back to y'all high school and y'all must have forgot. I used to, you know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? So we can go your NBA career. You y'all must have forgot what I used to do. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So it's a statement that's gonna live forever. And when you make songs out of statements that are everlasting, those songs don't really die. Right. We got we we got a guy we just partnered with, Forgotten Seasons, See? NBA, and that that can be his uh. His intro song, yeah, 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 yeah that was the guy. That's a good that idea. Is. You got That's that dope. business mind that thinking, is. Jack. That is. You're rubbing off on me, bro. Come on, man. Final fight was back home in, 20, in 2018 in uh, August. Your last fight you finished, 66 wins and nine losses. Mm -hmm. The end of that night, what was the feeling like knowing that was your last fight? It was a very, it was a very bad feeling because I thought I was going to fight forever. <laughs> How old were you at that time? Uh, 48, I think. Mm. Shit, 49, God 49, damn! 49, Still fighting? I was forty nine. Damn. Yeah, yeah. Eighteen, I was forty nine. Yeah. So uh, I, I, it was a bad feeling though because I just felt like no, I was forty seven. I was forty seven. Just didn't want to give it up. Yeah, just didn't want, I, I, I wanted to give it up, but I knew that if for me it seemed like if I ever stopped, I was just gonna go sit down on the couch and get fat, and that's what I did want to do. Mm -hmm. So by continuing to go, it gave me a reason to get in shape, a reason to stay in shape, take better care of myself. So you see so many guys, they stop and they, they ain't like y'all, they let themselves go. Yeah, You yeah. feel me? And it's bad because y'all still can kill somebody right now because y'all still in shape. You feel me? So y'all ain't let what God gave you just go to waste. Y'all right. still taking advantage of it. Mm -hmm. But so many people I see just let themselves go down here. And that's what I also didn't want to do. So I knew that. If I want to get in shape, just go fight somebody. I gotta get in shape then, cause I ain't gonna go in and not, not in shape. Right, you feel not me? Ready. So you that, a snacker? Yeah, of course, bro. <laughs> oh, you a snacker? Candy, <laughs> chips, <Everything>. chips, everything. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, but anyway, that's that's what that's what it was. And to watch these guys do it nowadays, like it's getting better now. But for a while there, the the, the skill level was going down, and I didn't see guys that really were having the skill to really entertain and show people what boxing really was about. So, and really, wasn't nobody really fighting nobody. No, it's like, right now, we got a lightweight division that's full of fighters. Mm -hmm. A lot of really good fighters, but none of them They ain't looking at each other. No, you know what I'm saying? So it's like, the fans ain't really got nothing to look at, so you may well love them until you beat somebody up. And that's what I was doing. Commentating now. I love commentating. What's the difference between that and the ring? Commentating is a little different because you don't have to really be in shape. Mm -hmm. and let your mind work instead of your body. Mm -hmm. When you're in the ring, your mind and your body got to work. Mm -hmm. Now your, body, your mind just can work, your body ain't got to really worry about nothing. So commentating, I can tell you what he's doing and what somebody should be doing to him, but they're not doing. Fighting, I ain't going to tell you what to do. I'm going to show you what he's doing and show you what, somebody, what I should be doing to him when he's doing. Mm -hmm. So it's one thing to show it, it's a different thing to talk about it. Mm -hmm. You enjoy commentating? I love it because it gives me an opportunity to tell people about what I did from my from a fighter standpoint, not from somebody who ain't never did it before, but telling you all of it. We we talked about that before. It's, it, experience is the best teacher. If you if you ain't never been in there, you don't know what the real deal is because mm -hmm. you ain't never been hit before. You know what I'm saying? It's like like Mike say, 
a lot of people got a lot of game till you hit the mouth. Because <laughs> <laughs> they forgot that part in that book. That book ain't tell you about that part. Uh-uh. That book ain't tell you now after he hit you in the mouth, this is what you need to do. That book gonna tell you that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It take that punch in the mouth for you to learn it. Mm-hmm. And that's what people miss in commentary. I was thinking when we uh, found out we were gonna uh, have you as a guest, I was thinking, obviously very skilled tactician, but also the, the style you fought with how well that would translate to social media these days. Oh, man. What is the power of social media and, and what kind of... <sighs> I mean, you're already a monster, but could you imagine the, what he was doing It was on social media these days? It would be insane. Knockouts. Everything going viral. Nobody never seen people do the things that nah, did. No, hell no. Not somebody with your hand behind your back. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it was just... Tarver, it was, when you did that to Tarver, he gonna try to do it. You can't do it better than me to knock him down. <laughs> that was Tony. That was, yeah, that was yeah, Tony. I mean, yeah, Tony, yeah, 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 Tony. Yeah, so it's like, people don't understand. And like I tell people, this was, you know, one of my favorite point guards is Chris Paul. And the reason I like Chris Paul is because you see these guys do all this and one stuff on the court against these guys that don't play basketball. You see Chris Paul do entertainment. Gets the best of the best. You feel me? Shout out he CP. Doing ball. You feel me? <laughs> he doing things to people on the court. Gets the best player right yeah, now. Yeah. He doing it right. He breaking out in game time. Yeah. In the playoffs. He don't care. Go between and your legs. So for yeah. per- you feel me? So for a person to be that entertaining at that time, you don't do that then. Like you see guys do stuff in the gym, mm-hmm. but they're not going to do that in a real fight. They're afraid to try it. This dude doing these things in games, in playoff games. Championship fights. You feel me? That's... What means something to me. If you can't do it then, then I don't really care what you can do. Because mm. you can't do it when it counts to make these people be like, whoa, then I don't really care what you do. Mm-hmm. This dude do it in the game. <laughs> he ain't just playing with it, he do it in the game. And that means something to me because for me, my goal was when I watched Muhammad Ali and Sugar Ray Leonard, these guys entertained you, whether with the foot speed or the hand speed or even the head movements. They entertained you. So if I can't be an entertainer and take you further than they took you, then why am I boxing? I don't want to just be another boxer. I want to be a guy that just say, oh, we're fighting. Everybody put everything down. We got to go see we're fighting. Mm-hmm. You don't know what we're might do tonight. That's, and that's how it was. <laughs> you feel me? But that's how it's, which is why I'm trying to tell you that those other guys, they can't do that. They make you lucky mm-hmm. and beat me one night, but they can't hold that crowd like I can. I get it. That crowd didn't care who I was fighting. They come to see. Mm-hmm. Because they know we're gonna do something that we're not mm-hmm. gonna forget. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. We're gonna give us a ooh ah moment somewhere in there. We ain't gonna be bored. <laughs> right? Yeah, we ain't gonna be up. bored. We know we're gonna give us something. Yeah. That's just who we're was. Straight up. November 2020, you step back in the ring. Luke mentioned something. Everybody felt like it was his two uncles fighting at the barbecue. But to me, it was similar <laughs> like my two favorite boxers in the world are about to fight. Like, I'm excited about the idea, but I'm just like, I don't want to see these motherfuckers hurt each other, man. So, thoughts on how that all came about and, and what made you uh, get back in the ring? Hold on, before, before you start, OG, let me, just let me say this. I was worried. <laughs> I was too. <laughs> <laughs> okay, go ahead. Right, we good? <laughs> hey, we was on the same. Hey, we was on the same sheet of music. <laughs> this dude over here, man, twenty pounds heavier than me. He really heavier than that to me, but he twenty pounds heavier than me. He ain't screwed on tight. <laughs> <laughs> you don't know what he might come in here and do. Then they say, yo, that's smoking weed before you come out there. I'm like, oh, no. You don't know what you might have to do. You understand me? You don't know what might happen. So when I heard about it, I said, listen. Listen, y'all can't be out there trying to kill each other. What else do he know? That's all he know. What else do he know? If he trying to hit you, like he going to be trying to kill you. That's all he know. <laughs> so 
First time he hit me in the chest, I feel like a horse that keep us. If I ain't had a good like, mama, you sure I should have did this? How this dude's dick can punch? I ain't think he punched like this still. You feel me? I think he slowed down. Nah, bro. I ain't slowed down. Lick then. I get in front of him and I see him doing all this stuff. I say, oh, I'm gonna kill, I'm gonna kill that. I throw, I throw a punch, he's tipping all of them. Wait a minute. <laughs> at 54, he's still that fast? He's still slipping them. You feel me? He's still slipping all my stuff. And I'm, I'm right now, because I, I gotta be right just in case he get wrong and we gonna get wrong together. You feel me? <laughs> I'm thinking, you understand me? But, man, this dude is still fast as I don't know what. You know what I'm saying? I'm saying, wow. He's fast here and he punched that here. Then, mm. I think I hit him with a left hook or something. We got close, and he took his glove and ran the lace up my face. I said, oh, dirty son of a stuff. <laughs> I, I, I see you, Mike. I see you still got game. All right, I'm good. They say, you gonna do it again? Nah, no, I ain't doing it no more, cause if you do it again, it's gonna get bad, you know what I'm saying? Cause this dude, this dude, first of all, he's still too strong. He still got all his old tricks, and he much harder to hit than I ever thought he would've been. Mm. You understand know what I mean? That's what was surprising to me. I thought for sure. He said, I, listen, I teach guys. A man with his hands this close to his face, you supposed to kill him. And I'm thinking, oh, he ain't got to change my hands too fast. Man, Mike was slipping my stuff so quick. I was like, ah, oh, okay, I see why you might Tyson. I, got you. <laughs> I remember the interview afterwards, and you looking at him like, like, come on, bro, we ain't doing this again. No, 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 no. <laughs> I my chip so three days. No, bro, I'm through with them days. I ain't got no good. Hey, you know how you feel? You go back and work out for or mm-hmm. play a game or two, you be like, man, I'm through with them days, bro. Yeah. I'm through with that. I ain't supposed to be feeling like this no more. Mm-mm. My reels hurting them three and three and four. Every time I lay out, I got to crap myself. Nah, bro. Enough, is enough of that. They ain't paying me enough of that. Oh, man. Describe Mike in a few words. Entertaining, crazy, funny, Deceptive because he's everything. He, everything you think about Mike is usually the opposite. Mm-hmm. Everything you think about him is you, much more intelligent than yeah, people, people. Very intelligent, you know, very very intelligent guy. So and, and he's a good dude, man. He, he he really he's really deep down inside. He's really a good dude. He got a lot of bad raps, but he's a good dude. He way more gentle than people think. He is, you know what I'm also, saying? But he also, but now he do have a switch. He can snap, yeah, and a heartbeat. Up. And he ran a good my damn face out. Was like son of a, <laughs> we we signed up for this, son. No, we signed up for that. <laughs> you cheating? Now. Ain't nobody say you gotta be cheating. We probably do the exhibition. What you cheating for? <laughs> What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter. Let's please welcome Jamal Crawford to Point Game. King of the Court one-on-one tournament. If they had it back in your prime, do you think he could have took it all? I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think I could have took it all, but I think I would have shocked a lot of people. I think Kobe and everybody in their prime, Kobe would win a one-on-one contest. Yeah, I, yeah, because you got to think, Love he's going to guard. He don't care about guarding. He's going to guard. He's going to exactly. guard. Like, you see him in the Olympics, exactly. he's going to guard. And then on I'm top of that. like that, see that? Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came out from crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. And then I, his, he's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because he didn't need it. <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. It's packed with benefits to help unlock more value from your business purchases. 
That's the powerful backing of American Express. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. AT&T connects an ode to podcast. Connect the alarm, change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze, 10 more minutes to dream. Connect the shower, lather up with the news, sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work and traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories, change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. Legend is you played uh, basketball with Sweet Pea. Yeah, we beat Sweet Pea team, but now Sweet Pea could play, and Sweet Pea bought all Division One players on his team. I ain't had none. I had Division Two players, JUCO players. He bought a whole. So division. set the stage. What was this? The though? Great Sweet Pea in Pensacola. Yeah, in Pensacola, okay. the late Great Sweet Pea. Nah, that was a bad dude too, though. Yes, people, sir. People don't give him enough credit, and he didn't care who he fought. But he came from the same time I. I come from. We played King of the Hill. If you the best, that's what it is. Mm-hmm. He didn't care. He tell him. Don't tell me who it is. Tell me how much I'm making, what weight I need to be. And I'm assigned. Don't worry about who it is on the other side. That's how cold he was. Mm-hmm. But anyway, mm-hmm. he was a good basketball piece. player. He always talked and always talked and always talked. So we set up a celebrity game. HBO, Artie Curry, the late, great Artie Curry, one of my favorite people I ever met. Excuse me. He made my HBO tenure way better than it ever could have been because he was an angel at HBO. He started as a, as a mailroom dude and worked we all the way up to an executive. Black dude, Arthur Curry, died probably 10, 12 years ago, but he was one of my favorite people of all time. So anyway, Artie was in charge of relations you know, relations between HBO and the fighters. He did the human relations part, so he set the game up between me and Sweet Pea. Sweet Pea bought his team to Pensacola, HBO paid for that thing, and uh, we got known. So in the arena down there, they, 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 he had, like I said, he had, like, he had pretty much a Division One team. <laughs> and I got a JUCO team. <laughs> you understand me? But I mean, my guys probably played more together because we played in the city league together. Mm-hmm. So his guys, they just all could play, but they didn't really play together as much as we did, I don't think. So they led the game for like three quarters. And uh, last quarter, we got about three minutes left to go. They were still, they, they led us by like 15 for the whole game because they could play. And Sweet Pea wasn't bad either. So, But that last quarter, my team was known for coming back in the fourth quarter. Last quarter, they left Big Al open. And Big Al, people don't know Big Al, but Big Al was a little short, but I thought, you know, Big Al was the kind of guy that had a shot that he could have been, had he had the right guidance, he could have made it to the league because the dude could shoot the ball better than 90% of people you see walking the face of the earth today. We, and we all know people at home. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. people like that. He was one of them kind of guys, you know. So he came down, they left him open, he hit one three. They came down and missed. He came back down. They left him open. He hit another three. They came down and missed. They came down again. I said, they left him open a third time. I gave it to him. He hit another three. That's nine points. And from there, we just Put walked the dog on him. Mm. So we came back that last three minutes of the game, and we won the game. But it was a great game. He had a better team than I had, but my team had played together more. Sweet so, P.A. game? Yeah, Sweet P.A. game. Mad game. Left hand or right hand, Sweet P. could do it all. Mm. Yeah, Sweet P.A. real game. Mm. We had uh, Deion Sanders, and he once told us about the day he played football and then flew that later night and played baseball. Mm-hmm. You played basketball during the day mm-hmm. and fought at night. Mm-hmm. Talk to us about that. Well, after seeing Deion and Bo Jackson do that, I was like, no, people are not going to expect that a boxer can do two things. That's Nobody just a lot on your legs, you know I mean? yeah, especially so they never, basketball. They never thought a boxer can do that. But you got to remember, Jack, every day I'm training, 
Mm-hmm. I'm sneaking off playing basketball before Hooping I train anyway. or after I train. So I'm like, I know I can do this because I do this every day. Mm-hmm. I grew up doing this. So how can I not do that? You feel me? It's going to look strange to people, but this is what I do. Mm-hmm. If I ain't at the gym boxing, I'm hooping and I hoop every single day. It's routine. You feel me? So it's like, this is nothing my body's not used to. Mm-hmm. But to put it on the stage, they're going to say, no, you don't do that. Well, since I'm not with big time promoters and my own guy, I can do it. Mm-hmm. So I went and did it. Now, what was impressive about it all was the guy I fought, Eric Lucas, after that, he went on to become the WBC super middleweight champion and held the title for three years. Mm. After that fight. Mm-hmm. So I ain't fighting no garbage. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you understand me? So mm. had, I'm, just, I'm just thinking, you know, even watching, you know, Darren Williams fight, you know, how you got to be in shape to be a boxer. To go play basketball. That's what I'm saying. That should beat your legs up all day and then uh, go box. That way that just credits to what, how, what great shape he was in. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm. How many rounds did that? How many uh, rounds? Well, 11, I think they stopped in the 11th round. Mm. You know, With so a whole went, fight, too. Yep. Damn. Yep. And he took a good punch, too. Who you following these days in the NBA? You got players, teams? I follow more players than I follow teams. One of my favorites is uh, Damian Lillard. Mm. I like Dame a lot because Dame big time. Dame show up and crash down. I told you I love CP. Mm. like Kyrie. Um, I like Giannis because Giannis is different. Dog. Dog. I like KD. But Giannis is definitely a different animal. Like John Morant, now he coming mm. on the scene, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, like Devin Booker. You know, I like a lot of guys. You know, like I, like, I like a lot of the killers. I like the guys mm-hmm. with the killer mentality. I mean, don't get it wrong, I like LeBron too. I mean, but I be looking more for the guys that remind me of the old school guys. Yeah. You know where I'm from? Yeah. I like them dogs, you know what I'm saying? I like people that's going to go out there and no matter what y'all put in front of me, you're not stopping me. Yeah. That's, that's what I like, you mm-hmm. know what I mean? So, Who you... Uh... You any predictions for the finals? Um, I don't know. The Lakers going to be hard to beat now because if they can get there, because Westbrook, when guided in the right direction, he's an animal. You yeah. know what I'm saying? He play hard in but they just, just got to keep him under control. But when he get in under control, he, he's something to deal with. You know, I, I, I'm a Westbrook fan, too, because of how hard he play. Yeah. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Sometimes he can get off, offside, off balance a little bit, but his intent is always good. Yeah. I love his intent. Now, if you can take a LeBron who can help guide him and control him a little bit, and if AD can be healthy, they still going to be hard to beat. You know what yeah. I mean? So um, Dallas is a team that I always have to watch because Dallas has a pretty good team, I think a better team than people give them credit for, and their team is a little different with Luka and Prazingas. Mm-hmm. I'm saying Prazingas is an issue because he's so tall, but he can do it all. Mm-hmm. Trying to stay healthy. You know what I'm saying? And so having them two... Like I said, Jalen Brunson ain't bad. We know Hardaway Jr. ain't bad. They got they got a good team. Denver has a good team. Utah has an excellent team. There's a lot of good teams out there. So, you know, on any given Sunday, it can come from anywhere, but it's about who has the continuity at the end of the season. Matrix Reloaded alongside Keanu Reeves and Lawrence Fishburne. What was that like? That was good, man. That was one of the best times I had. Uh, it was different for me because it was a... A whole movie, I'm like, wow, Red Jones, you're in a movie? You do everything. God has been so good to me, man. Mm-hmm. I just have to be thankful to God for everything he's ever given me because I never thought I would be a rapper, basketball player, um, none of that. And the movie guy, just never thought I would do commentary. Never thought there's so many things that God added on to me after I got where I was going because of my faith and my trust in God. He gave me so much that, I mean, I never thought of being a heavyweight champ of the world. You know what I'm saying? When I won my first national tournament, my first national tournament was won at 119 pounds. 
how you gonna be here with Chimp Royal? That's crazy. You 119 pounds. <laughs> in 1984, my first national tournament, I was 119 pounds. You think I had any thoughts Been that I could even look at the heavyweight wrong? No. And now here I am, heavyweight champion of the world. If you believe and have faith in God, there's no limit to where God can take you. Mm. Amen. You got a chance to work on Creed too. Uh, thoughts about rebooting that uh, star, Michael B. Jordan, obviously. I thought that was pretty good. Michael B. Jordan did a really good job in the movie. Uh, actually, I didn't know what they had me set to go get in the next one, but Chris Eubank got a fight coming up February 5th, so I got to miss the, the film date, so I'm trying to see now if they can redo it, but if not, then I might miss it. But they got, I think they got a Creed three mm. coming up, and uh, I was supposed to go be a commentator in that one. I, was, I, I love the movies. I love acting. Uh, although being a commentary doesn't require much acting because it's what I do for mm -hmm. real. So, but it still be good, you know. Mm -hmm. Chris, uh, you back? I seen him Dream. fight. That was his last fight. What you think he need to switch up? Well, he just got to quit being so much of a banger and use this a little bit more because this will take you a lot further than these will. Mm -hmm. If you use this to control these, you can go a lot further than you use this to control these. He been fighting main up this control needs, and I'm trying to get him to use this to control these, not this. I don't mean to put you on the spot, but do you think his father's kind of doing what, you know what I'm saying, was his father hindering him a little bit? No, no, his father's actually He's not. Solid. His father stays okay. out of his way. Yeah, you know okay. I'm saying He talked to him, but he stays out of his way. Yeah. I think for a while he may have been in a little bit more, but yeah. I think they realized that that's not the right way for them, so he got out, and I think that's why he employed me, mm -hmm. because he knows that I know, but like he said, some things... You're gonna be a tear my son better than I am. Because me being around, being his father for so long, it's different. It's the same with my son. My son played basketball, but I can't tell him. I need to call one of y'all to tell him because I can't tell him. You feel me? I'm gonna put you on the spot again. Yeah. You would have stopped the fight if you were Sean Porter Pops? No. Right. No. A lot of people say that. No, I wouldn't stop that. No. Because that's why I said it's a fine line between that. And um he can say, you know, you can say I'm worried about my son, but when it comes to that, you got to let him be the man now. Yeah. You can't go out there and protect him. You got to let him be a man because he go out like he want to go out, then there's no excuses. You got to let him go out like, like you want to go out, it might not be what he chose to do. To yeah. me, it made it look like he made it about himself, the pops. Oh, that's, 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 that's why I tried to tell you before <laughs> why I had to leave because mm -hmm. I, but God showed me that earlier. Right. right. Some of those guys, they don't see it till it's too late. That's yeah. why I asked that question. Yeah, yeah. of course. Which fight of present day you still out of yourself in? Ah, Boots, you ever seen Boots fight? Boots, yeah, 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 Philly. Boots, Boots a bad yeah. boy. Boots shows a lot of my stuff. I see it in quite a few guys, but Boots in this. Uh, I see it a little bit in Lomachenko because Loma has the footwork down, pad along with the angles and all. I see it, I see myself in a lot of fighters because a lot of guys do a lot of things that they, that they learn from watching me. Um, but, you know, Canelo is a bad dude. He don't use my style, but he a bad dude. Yeah. Uh, you think he, you think he really eats he that? He that, he that, Errol Spence that. Because uh, a, a lot of people have got Canelo on the, is he really that? Is he that? What you say, he that? I think he is that. Yeah. But um, in my opinion, he still got a little bit to prove. Because mm. he's beating some really good fighters. Beating Triple G was a big thing. Uh, but he still got a little bit more. He has a little bit more to go because he got to beat a guy. That's, has, that has some of the qualities and credibilities that Floyd has. Is, this, is it Charlo? No, it's gonna, not going to be. He's going to have to beat Charlo, but yeah. that's not going to do it because we're going to see him against a little bit slicker guy. Give me, give me an example. I got to fight. Uh, Boo-Boo. Boo-Boo. Boo-Boo a little slicker. Boo-Boo going to be mm -hmm. a good fight for him because mm -hmm. Boo-Boo don't go out and box traditional. 
but we'll fight with smarts. Mm -hmm. uh, Chris Eubank Jr., fighting with these smarts is a different guy for him. Mm -hmm. So people like that is who you want to see him fight because we know what he can do against a guy that brawls and that, that's going to go out there and go toe-to-toe. -to -toe. He can handle that, but that's not how Floyd beat him. So, like, Arizona Delara gave him a hard time because he boxed him with this. Mm -hmm. So we got to see him fight somebody that boxes him with this and see him dominate that person. Then he'll be what I want to see him be, which I'm not saying he can't. Right. I just got to see We haven't seen him. So it's like people get so sensitive nowadays because stuff that you say, but it's like I was trying to tell people when Earl Spence fought Sean Porter, I wasn't saying that that's going to guarantee that Earl Spence can beat Crawford or Crawford can beat Earl Spence. No. I said Sean Porter was the first dude that was going to show us what Earl Spence is really made of. Made up, yep. You understand me? That didn't say that Earl Spence didn't have the goods. I never said that. I just said Sean Porter's the first dude that's going to show us if he really got the goods. And he did. Mm -hmm. Until that knockdown, that fight was even. Yep. Or Sean might have been winning. Mm -hmm. But once he knocked him down, he took, he took over. So it showed that he does have the goods to make me even more now want to see him and mm. Terrence Crawford in the ring. Yeah, yeah. But they still not getting there. But I didn't say who I thought could win. I still don't know who. It's just because I think that don't mean that either. Right. But I did see him show against Sean Porter that he did have a dog in him and that he could pull off it, put it off against a top-notch guy because Sean Porter is one of the guys right there at the threshold of being great. You feel mm -hmm. me? So you beat him. Now you get, now I got a little bit more confidence in you and your efforts against Crawford. Oh, uh, yeah. Now Crawford beat Porter a little bit worse than you did. Well, Crawford just dominated Porter, uh, Porter. But Styles also make fights. That still don't mean that Crawford can beat you, but right now Crawford has the edge because I've seen Crawford more. Mm -hmm. So and I've seen Crawford against a, a few more different different calibers of opposition than I've seen you against. Mm -hmm. Wasn't saying that you can't beat Crawford. I was just saying that I've seen Crawford more and against more different uh, known competition than I've seen him against. Right. They took oh he don't like Earl. Come on, man. <laughs> you know how they do. That's what they're gonna do with it. You know what I'm saying? It's like, no, I, I didn't say that. I said that. This dude will be the first real opposition opposition that we see that we can judge him off of. And it was, because it was a hell of a fight. Mm -hmm. Until then, when he dropped me, he took over. But it was a good damn fight, you feel me? So. Mm -hmm. Tank Davis. Bad dude. Bad dude. See, what I like about Tank is, Tank brings something different. You know, back in the days, everybody had something. Muhammad Ali was a mover boxer. George was a puncher. Ernest Shavers was a puncher. Everybody had something they brought to the table. Larry Holmes had a jab. Mike Weaver had an overhand right. You know what I'm saying? Everybody has something. That division now is full, and Tank having to be the knockout guy of the division. Mm -hmm. He the one with the main knockout power. Mm -hmm. Garcia has it too, but Tank got that real knockout power that, like, if Tank hit one of them clean, usually they're going to have a problem. Mm -hmm. So it's like, I like Tank. Uh, so every now and then, I think he just, I think when he knows he can beat somebody, he probably don't take it, don't lock in as hard, but... I think when they bring challenges, he locks in. Cause yeah, he fights to the level of his competition. Yeah, he was doing so that a lot. And he got to be careful with that. Two fights ago, he was really doing that. You feel me? So you got to be careful of that because if you come in and think somebody is not at your level and you underestimate them, it can get you beat. So I just don't think I think you got to be careful of. Other than that, Tank is a really good fighter. Tank's a good fighter. Uh, it's, it's a lot of them guys in that weight class. Garcia, Lopez, dude this beat Lopez, Loma. Um, young guy, Devin Haney. Devin Haney. Uh, man, so many good guys in that weight class. But we need to see them fight. Each other. So we can figure out who the cream of the crop. Tyson Fury. Good, very good guy, very smart guy. Wins more with smartness than he does with skills. Mm -hmm. He uses his knowledge, his size. He takes advantage of his size. 
And I liked it about Tyson Fury. Mm. And he's not afraid to fight nobody. Only thing I tell people, like I said, I don't want to see him at Usyk fight right now because the heavyweight division is hot. Usyk and Joshua was a great fight. Mm -hmm. Fury and Waddle was an even better fight for the fans. Let's keep the fans into the heavyweight division right now. If we put Usyk against, against Fury, a lot of people think the, big, the, the better big, big man beats the better small man. And so we lean toward Fury. But either guy could win the fight, but neither guy's a real knockout puncher. And right now in heavyweights, we want to see knockouts. Yeah. Or at least knockdowns. You understand know me? Mm -hmm. Or at least somebody get hurt or somebody, or know that somebody can knock somebody in a given time. Joshua Wilder. That's a good fight. We love that kind of fight. <laughs> I want to see that. Somebody go see. Yeah, know, somebody that's, go that's a nap waiting to happen. <laughs> you feel me? That's a nap waiting to happen. Those are the kind of fights, those are the kind of fights that we want to see. You feel where I'm coming from? You understand me? That's what we want. Yeah. We know that's a nap waiting to happen. A that's what we want to see. To you feel me? That's yeah. what we really want to see in the heavyweight division. That's what we want to see. Thoughts on Jake Paul? Me, you got to give the man the credit. You know, he came out, he did some beautiful things. He showed what you can do with social media. He showed you the effects that social media can have on a sport. And, um, you know, he tries hard. He works hard as a boxer. I mean, for a guy that's not, didn't start his career out as a boxer, he giving it hell because he's making more money than most of them making. The smart way, he's showing you what you can do if you utilize tools that God has given you now. Mm -hmm. He's a perfect example you know, of how every, boxer, how every boxer should market themselves. Hustling. He's a perfect example. Mm -hmm. So if you hate on him, something wrong with you. You need to be learning from him. Don't hate the game, hate the player. Mm -hmm. Learn from him because mm -hmm. he's doing something good. Look how much money he's making. Mm -hmm. he beat, and he's beating others too. And he, he, not really, he, he didn't start the thing as a boxer. Look what he's doing. Mm -hmm. Showtime. You know? Showtime. Better believe it. Man, this has been great. We appreciate it. We're coming down to the home stretch right now. So first thing to come to mind... Let us know. Uh, your Mount Rushmore boxing. Oh, my gosh. Muhammad Ali goes at the top. Muhammad Ali. <sighs> Muhammad Ali, Sugar Ray Leonard, Salvador Sanchez, mm. Roberto Duran. <laughs> it's a lot of them on that thing, but them probably the four I'm going to put up there. Salvador Sanchez. I got to go look him up. One of the best Mexican fighters of all time. Salvador Let San me tell you why. Go look at all the people fight. That's fine. But in a 15-round fight, against stiff opposition. You look at him in round one, between round one and round two, and go look at him between round 14 and round 15. He looks identically the same. Mm. Identical. He looks identical in between round one and two as do between round 14 and 15. I ain't never seen nobody do that. Nobody. This dude looks identical between round one and two and round four and five and round eight <laughs> and nine as he do in round 14 and 15. Mm. That's crazy. I ain't never seen nothing like it in my life. That's who I also got a lot of my game from, though. But the best tricks to ever see, everybody got their things. Sugar Leonard had the hand speed. Ali had hand, foot speed, and entertainment with, with the mouth. Uh, Hagler had consistency. Tommy had that thing with that right hand. The Hulk was just busy all the time. Uh, Duran had the trickery. Duran was the best trickster I've ever seen. San, uh, Sanchez was just like condition-wise, and he wasn't, he wasn't flashy. He didn't have that acceleration that you want, but my gosh, for 15 rounds, tomorrow, staying with that 100 miles an hour 15, that dude could do it, bro. I gotta look him up. You just told us all the greats and what they had. What would you say about yourself? I took all of that and packaged it. That's mm -hmm. how I can tell you so good. Mm -hmm. I took all that and packaged Gumbo. it. I took all that and packaged it. Mm -hmm. If you take 12 greats and you take what makes them great, I'm taking all that. And you put all that in one person. Roy Jones. I cannot be great. 
You understand me? <laughs> I mean, I probably shouldn't say this because y'all know this better than me too, though, but you take Steph Curry and you say that Reggie Miller with handles. Because mm. <laughs> mm. Reggie shoot that damn ball. Damn. Reggie just didn't have a handle, Steph. Mm -hmm. But look at Steph. He took what, 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 what Reggie was missing and he added that. Mm -hmm. And because he's doing it so well, now he probably better shoot him because of the confidence level that goes with it. Oh, yeah, definitely. But he basically, if you look at the basic root of what he really is, he really, he really is a Reggie Miller-type shooter who was a great shooter, mm -hmm. but with handles. Yeah. <laughs> you understand me? You got to learn how to take what's happening now and how you elevate that. Right. That's what makes you better. That's oh. what makes you great. If you take a great, I mean, uh, Chocolatito, he followed the great, late, great Alexis, Alexis Aguayo, Mm -hmm. Copy Alexis Aguil stuff, add a probably a little bit more condition, a little more acrobatics with it, and look at him, he became great. Mm -hmm. 106 to 112 pounder. 106 pounder became great because he followed what Alexis Aguil did. And he got just one of the dopest names in boxing. Chocolatito. Chocolatito. <laughs> so it's like you have to take the greatness mm -hmm. and figure out how you take that. The greatness of today, how you add to it to make that the greatness of tomorrow. And that's what I did. I had Sugar Ray Leonard. Marvin Hagler, Tommy Hearns, Roberto Duran, Muhammad Ali, Salvador Sanchez, and the list. I had a quite. I had a, about a dozen that I used to watch, and I used to watch them to see what made them different. Because whatever made them different, mm -hmm. I gotta have that. That's the only quality I want. What makes them different? Hagler was the consistency. With for Benitez was the defense. Tommy Hearns with the right hand. Eddie Mustafa Muhammad was the left hook to the body, left liver shot. I got something from some of all of them. But I took what made them them. I snatched all those characteristics and tried to put them in my game. So that when you look at me, you're seeing all that. Oh, one. And that's how I became pound for pound. You understand me? <laughs> Who else you know gonna throw a 30 punch combination? Roy Jones. Sugar Ray Leonard could, Roy Jones. Muhammad Ali could, Roy Jones. You said a 30 punch combination. I get tired thinking about that. <laughs> that's a lot of punches for you. But that's, hey, but that's what the crowd want to see. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, what, I love the smoke and watch that. Muhammad I don't want Ali no did part of it. When Muhammad, when, when Shui did it, everybody started going crazy. Yeah, when yeah. Muhammad Ali did it, they go crazy. So you got to, you have to give mm -hmm. the people their money worth if they're going to pay talk, attention talk to you. To mm -hmm. If you're not, then you're just another boxer. What fights you want to see in 2022? Them lightweights get together and fight. Yeah, I, I, I would like to see Wilder and, Wilder and um, Joshua fight just because we always wanted to see that. And they got bad blood. Yeah, exactly. So I would definitely love to see that fight. Uh, I want to see Charlo versus Canelo. I really want to see Eubank versus Canelo. Mm -hmm. I want to see Eubank, Eubank versus Charlo. I want to see Charlo versus Boo Boo. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? It's a lot of good fights out there that we want to see. But the reason UFC has gotten so much more entertaining than boxing is because the people get the fights they want to they see. Gotta, they got to go see each other. Boxing, we got to get the fights that people want to see. Good point. If we don't do that, then we waste our time. If someone were to do a biopic of your life, what actor would play you? Hard to say, but I ain't really big into actors, but I'm thinking Cuba, Cuba Gooding Jr., mm. somebody like that. But... He's a, regardless of anything, he's a great actor. Mm -hmm. Yes, he is. One of the best. <clears throat> I give him that. Top five artists of all time. Artists? Music. You know, my, my favorite is going to be Scarface. Yeah. It's really hard to say because Scarface, after Scarface, you know, you got to understand that a lot of people do their thing, you know. Jigga do his thing. Eminem do his thing. DMX is one of my favorite. Um, Method Man. I mean, 
the list goes on. So many guys, Juve. I mean, I just love, I love everybody that just can come up and do hit records over and over and over again. Them mm -hmm. my guys. Mm -hmm. so everybody, everybody have different styles. You know what I mean? So like, them the ones I like. I, if I'm gonna listen to somebody first, it's gonna probably be Scarface, yep. then X, then Meth, then Park. Then probably Big A. I mean, mm -hmm. there's Eminem gonna be in there somewhere. It's just, it's so many guys. I listen to all of them because everybody have what they, I, even, I listen to Ice Cube. You know what I'm mm -hmm. saying? I listen to everybody because I just love music. Yep. So everybody hit one here and there that I'm gonna like. You know what I'm saying? So, uh, um, Mob Deep. What new, 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 like today acts you listen to? Of course, you like NBA Young Boy. That's my man. Yeah, everybody like Young Boy. Everybody um, like young boy. <laughs> yeah, you know, I like Young Boy. It's a few I like. Jeezy. I like. I mean, Jeezy ain't new, but right. I like. I like a lot of them. You know, I, I like a lot. Of, I don't like. I don't listen to a lot of new music. It's but, hard. Yeah, I always. I ain't really big on the new music as I am the old music. Yeah. So yeah. Five dinner guests, dead or alive. Dinner guests. Yeah, five people at your table plus you. Dead or alive. Barry Sanders, Muhammad Ali, Walter Payton, Michael Jordan, Halle Berry. Oh, sweetness. Halle Berry. It's never a bad choice. I got to give them something to look at. Mm -hmm. They're going to be there. I'm looking at me all the time. Y'all look yeah. at me. <laughs> I don't want to look yeah. at me the whole time. They're going to look too. Yeah. If you could have any guests on our show, mm -hmm. who would it be? <laughs> but before you answer, you're going to have to help us get your answer on the show. <laughs> if I had to have a guest on the show. You know a lot of heavy hitters, too. Yeah, I know boxing. quite a few people, but I'm trying to think who I would like to hear. You're going to trip out who I want you to say. Yeah, I think everybody might trip out. Who you want me to say? Larry Merchant. That would be pretty big. I would love to That'd interview him, big. bro. But now to come think about it, I think Jim Lampton wouldn't be a bad one, too, though. Yeah, mm -hmm. Jim, yeah for I sure. Yes. Be good, yeah. Yeah. Well, man, we appreciate your time. Yeah, Thank you, man. Job, man. Thank you, know, you know, very much. Like That's a wrap. All the smoke. Hall of Famer, Roy Jones. You can catch us on Showtime Basketball YouTube and the iHeart platform, Black Effects. We'll see y'all next week. This is All the Smoke, a production of the Black Effect and iHeart Radio in partnership with Showtime. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bed 365 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. What kind of fun is waiting for you at King's Island? The holy cow, we're way too high and here comes the drop kind of fun. The make a splash all summer kind of fun. The I can't believe I ate that whole funnel cake. Let's get another kind of fun. But most importantly at King's Island, you'll find for the fun of it kind of fun. 
Don't wait to start your fun season. Kings Island is now open on weekends.